This is Pivot Perspectives with Chris O'Byrne, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they've learned on their road to success and get exclusive access on how to implement their success into your life and business. Pivot Perspectives is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Chris O'Byrne. Welcome to the show, Travis. I am so glad to have you on the uh, with me today. Yeah, thank you, Chris, for having me. It's a uh, it's 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 a true honor to be here. Oh, well, the honor is definitely mine. Um, so I like to always help people regress a little bit and take them back to childhood. Can you share a story from your childhood that you feel was uh, instrumental in becoming who you are today? Yeah, absolutely. There's been there's been several things from my childhood, but I'll stick to the ones that, that that were actually good and I can I can speak about <laughs> that are uh, really instrumental to me. Um, I had a it, it was I think we all have a coach or a teacher that we can that we can think back to that that really transformed the way you think or or made you think about something differently. And I had a I had one of the I had two different teachers. One was my third grade teacher. And she was a friend of mine's mother. And she was this, she was probably all of four foot 10, but one of the most powerful leaders that I can still remember to this day. She just, she commanded a presence that, that nobody could ignore. She would walk around the room and people would just kind of move out of the way. <laughs> and uh, it was in a good way. And uh, just, just watching her and the way that she communicated with us just as, as, as kids was so it was with respect it was with dignity um and it was never to a, to a level of demean of being demeaning so the way that she spoke i just that's always hung on to, to for me that when i speak to people and when i when i if i'm leading people it's to, it's it's you have to be able to communicate with respect you have to be able to communicate with kindness so yeah mrs g if if you ever listen to this that was you and uh, and and I appreciate you. And then I had another teacher my sophomore year, um, who did this. Who who he just he he reminded me about it. Um, Mr. Martinez, if you're out there, this is you. <laughs> and like he and he just led his classroom and the school really it was such a kind demeanor. He his demeanor. He 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 was never excited about something unless it was worth getting excited for. Um, and if he was going to get excited, it was about something, some kind of accomplishment that we had done and he was excited for us. He was genuinely happy for, for us. So the way that I use that today is just like, I, 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 I focus my energy around being genuine and being genuinely excited for people that like it's, this is, this world is not about us. It's about the people we incorporate into it. And it's about how we interact with people. And it's about building relationships that we can get excited about. So really those two, those two teachers, there, there are a couple more coaches and different things like that, but those two things have really stuck with me throughout the years. The important ones. Yeah. Um, so then after high school, what happened? You went in, did you go into the military right after high school? No, I went into I so I I I was going to be a professional baseball player, Chris. That was my I was I was okay at it in high school, and uh, so I tried to go play Division One baseball right away. And after that, I after I did not make the team the first time, I went off to junior college. So I went to junior college to play baseball. So I did play baseball there, um, which was which was great. Uh, had some success there. Did okay in school. Um, not not great, but I 
did well enough to go back to the school that I tried to go to in the first place uh, and ended up making that team, played baseball there for a little while. And then, like I said before, I thought I was destined for the big leagues. So uh, not one of my, I think we all make fun uh, and interesting decisions when we're in our late teens and early twenties. I just decided that I was, I was doing baseball. I wasn't going to go to school. So <laughs> I did baseball. I, I played baseball and I forgot to go to school and I got a letter from the school that said, Hey, we haven't seen you in about six months, so maybe you should try a different school. So that I had, I had to leave the school and uh, ended up moving to Tulsa, Oklahoma um, from there, trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life and started managing restaurants. Um, so I went into to, to restaurant management and the lifestyle was something it's just not for everybody. And uh, for me, it was it was not a good fit. Um, I got into just things that I should not have gotten into, and decided in about at about 2006 2007 time frame that it was time for me to just join the Marine Corps. I was like, okay, one one day I woke up and I'm like, I got I have to figure something out with my life. This cannot be all that life has to offer. And Iraq was the Iraq War was going on, and uh, I had some mentors at the time that were like, just just they were former Marines, and they were like, hey, Marine Corps may be good for you. So literally walked into a, uh, the recruiting office um, on a Tuesday and was signed up by Wednesday. And I left for boot camp two weeks later when I was 23 years old. That's a fast run. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow. I get, yeah, they needed people. So I was like, I, I, sign me up. Let's go. Let's get it. I got to figure something out. And that's uh, that's kind of a, a, a f- what I do. That's my I still do that to this day. I'm like, OK, I can do that. And I'm, I got to go and I got to do this and I got to go. And it's a. It's it's a detrimental at some points and something it's a it's a learning opportunity for me, but it's a, it's it's served me also. So yeah, yeah, for sure. So walk me through your career in the military. So career in the military, um, like you said, I, I I walked into the recruiting station and left two weeks later to boot camp. Um boot camp in in, in San Diego, uh, where all the hills are. Uh, so we it was just three months of of just just it was brutal coming from where I was to managing restaurants to, to all of a sudden being in Marine Corps boot camp two weeks later was definitely a shock to my system. <clears throat> Excuse me. So as I finished boot camp, walked through some other training, um, I ended up, uh, I had signed up to be an intelligence analyst. So I was an intelligence guy. Um, and I had no idea what that meant. I just went through boot camp and all this other training that you had to go through. Just kept asking people, "Hey, what does what does Intel do?" <clears throat> and everybody's response was, "I don't know. I'm not Intel." So I, I didn't know really what my job was until I got to <clears throat> Intel school. So once I got to school, we learned everything about Intel. Went to some follow-on schools after that, like you do. Teach me how to shoot. Teach me how to survive in austere environments. Uh, and it was it was great. So I ended up at my first duty station in 2000. In 2008, out in Camp Pendleton, California, and I got, I checked into my unit, met my team, and that I that met the team that I was going to be on, be a part of. And my staff sergeant looked at me. He's like, "All right, we got about four months, and we're going to Iraq." And I was like, "Oh, that was a shock to my system." <clears throat> I knew that it was going to, that it could happen, that it was that was the potential, and like that's why I signed up in the first place. Was I? I saw what was going on in Iraq, and saw what the Marines specifically were doing in Iraq. And I said, man, I can, I can help out in that way. I can do something there. Um, and having, having, having been in college in 2001, my freshman year, seeing what happened on 9-11, I think something in there really stirred me up to be, to, to, to serve and to, to, just to, to figure out how I can, how I can serve my country better. So 
uh, walked in. So we ended up going to Iraq four months later. Um, and it was a nine month, eight, nine month deployment where it was, we were in the middle of nowhere. We were, it was everything that you would dream a Marine Corps deployment would be. We were, <laughs> we were dirty. We were smelly. We were hungry and people were shooting at us. And it was, <laughs> it was interesting. So, uh, made it back from Iraq, um, in 2009. So 2008, 2009, we were there. And then immediately when we got back, we we're like, okay, now it's time to gear up for Afghanistan. So we ended up doing the training cycle, like, okay, 2009, we need to leave. We got our deployment date, which was, uh, 2010. We had our deployment. We deployed in 2010 to Afghanistan. So ended up heading out to Afghanistan. I was a little wiser, a little more gray hair, even though it was at a high and tight, you could still see a little of the gray coming through. Um, uh, but, uh, we made it to Afghanistan in, I believe it was March of 2010 and, Mm, this was the first experience that I have had of us losing Marines. We had lost literally a month, two months in, uh, we had lost a, a friend of mine um, to an IED explosion. So getting those calls, understanding, man, what, and this is, this is one of the leadership lessons that I had to learn the very, very hard way. So I, at this point, when we we're in Afghanistan, had a team myself, I had a team myself. And we lost one of our, our close friends. Uh, and I immediately went, went, went into hierarchy. I was like, we, and revenge, which was not good for my team. I, I didn't look up from the, from, from the rifle until three days later, after I'd been running my team into the ground and had unrealistic expectations for them and myself, wasn't resting, wasn't letting them rest. And luckily my CEO, my commanding officer at the time pulled me, pulled me aside and said, man, what, like, what are you doing? Like, what, what are you and your Marines doing? Like you look at them, look at their faces. Like they're suffering, they're grieving too. Like this is something that, that you need to take, take, take control over and you need to figure this out. So uh, it opened my eyes to this new way of leadership that I had, that, that was caring and that was understanding of my people. So that's, that was my first instance of being able to interact in that way. Um, so we lost, uh, uh, Jake in Jacob Light in two in May of 2010, and then ended up losing two more Marines during that deployment. Um, so it was a hard kinetic deployment. Um, came home late 2010, and just kind of we it felt like we were just like dragging our feet through the door when we got home. Um, so 2010 came. Uh, I ended up getting orders from Camp Pendleton. So they moved me from Camp Pendleton, California to, to Colorado Springs, Colorado to, to work, to work here, which is, was one of the best, best decisions of my career, but one of the worst decisions the Marine Corps ever made. Cause I am here now. Like I've been, <laughs> they sent me to Colorado, beautiful Colorado Springs and I'm never leaving. So <clears throat> ended up working at United States Northern command, uh, as an Intel guy for, for that time from 2011 to 2016, when I got out and, um, uh, worked every issue from, countering cartels, countering narcotics, countering terror. I, I was the counter guy. So we did a lot of work trying to make sure that people didn't uh, attack our homeland in any way, shape or form when I was at Northcom and did some amazing work there and uh, ended up getting out in 2016 after nine years. And so that was kind of my Marine Corps career in a nutshell. Learned a lot about leadership. I still quote some of those leaders that I served under to this day. And it's a, it's, it's, it, it had a huge impact on my, on the way I lead and the way I teach leadership. So then when did, I mean, so you're a doctor now. So when did you start going to college? Was it while you were still in the core? Yeah. So when, after they asked me to politely ask me to leave the first time I tried college, I, uh, so I had had my associate's degree 
from uh, from the community college I went to. And then we've heard the story of me joining the Marine Corps and I got there and I was like, man, I, I have like 12 credits left to finish up my bachelor's degree. Why am I not, why am I not doing this? So I started that in between the deployments of Iraq and Afghanistan. So started going back to school, um, finished out there and I was like, okay, I still have um, a lot more learning to do. Let's start a master's degree. So started a master's degree program through Penn State. It was Homeland Security and Geospatial Intelligence. I really wanted to take this and run with it. And like I was Homeland Security at the time working working for Northcom. And it was just like, okay, that's my thing. I'm going to do this. So studied that. And it was amazing. Such a great program. Uh, and got there. And I was like, man, this is great. I work for the government now. I'm a, I was, this, I was, this was 2015 when I graduated, when I finished up. Got out of the Marine Corps 2016, started working for uh, for the, the Department of Defense after that as a civilian. And I was like, okay, this is great. I'm using what I learned in my master's program, but like I, now I'm leading teams. How do I do, how do, I do that? How do I lead to like, I've just been doing and, and, and I've been leading tangentially, but it, and how do I lead in this civilian world where it's different and it's not military? It's very, it, even though it was still DOD, it was still, it was still a different world of leadership. So I was like, okay. I still got some GI Bill left. What am I going to use it for? So I started searching around for leadership programs and I found uh, the University of Southern California had a doctor of education and organizational change and leadership. And I was like, okay. So I did some research, found that it was it was hard to get into. Now, this The school was hard to get into and the program was hard to get into, but I figured why not? I'm already not going there. So there's no, there's no, <laughs> there's no reason for me not to apply. So went through the application process and ended up getting, I was accepted. And so for three and a half years, I just dove into leadership and organizational change theory and just fell in love with the content. I, I mean, it's just like that the, the problems that could be solved with basic leadership and, 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 and leadership structure and, and leading teams well is, is the, the list is longer than, than any I've ever written. And I had like 150 page dissertation. Uh, it goes into like leading people. Well, means that you're, you're helping people's mental health. You're helping people's physical health. You're helping people get through emotional things. You yourself are leading yourself. Well, so this, this, just this wide world of leadership and different ways to do things opened up for me. And then on the organizational change side, I found that Every single organization, no matter if you if you're around for long enough, you're going to change. Things are going to change. That's what they do. They did in the DoD every two years. Every time a new general would come in, they would be like, "Okay, we're changing things up. Okay, we're changing things up." So I was like, "Okay, now I have to figure out how to do that." So we started diving into Cotter's eight steps and like all these different transformational leadership theory, like like all these different theories on how to change well, and putting those into into, into action. Really, I was like, "Man, they worked. Like their theories for a reason. They worked." So. As I started diving into the organizational change piece, COVID hit and we all got sent home and it was just this whole new world of like leadership and organizational change that people just kind of, it, it was new to people. So that's when I started the process of researching for, for, for my book, Hybrid. Okay. So uh, one question. So did you become an officer then while you were in the Corps? No, I was enlisted the entire time. So I, st- I stuck the enlisted course and uh, it was it was probably it was probably the best thing that I, that I could have done. Why do you say that? The way that I was able to lead smaller unit teams, the way that I was able to to dig into 
some of the like officers, what I saw, and they, they are strategic. They're looking at the strategic picture. They're trying to figure out how to lead missions. They're trying to figure out how to lead things. For me, I wanted to, I, I, being able to lead people was, was where I fit in really, really well. So did like, like being able to mentor, being able to, you know, even if down to the physical training that we did, being able to go out with my guys and like, that wasn't an officer thing. That was an enlisted thing. And I didn't want to lose that. The relationship that I had with my, with my people was what made that so fulfilling and so great. So I, I didn't want to lose that. And I was also to be, to be completely honest, I was a little old. I didn't join them or I didn't enlist till I was 24. So at that time I was going to be, I mean, 31, 32, going to officer training with a bunch of 22, 23 year olds. And I just, that aspect of it also was like, man, do I really want to start over? Do I really want to like kind of start this from ground zero? And so we'd also, we'd had a family um, and it would have been taking me away from my family. And it was just, it wasn't where we were going to be, where we wanted to go. That makes sense. Yeah. So now talk about what you're doing now and, and how you came to that from your work in the DOD. Yeah. So what I'm doing now is I help entrepreneurs, uh, executive leaders, I help them to understand how they lead and in turn understand how to best lead their team. So my my district, my doctoral dissertation was was based around transformational leadership. And transformational leadership is all about how do you transform yourself and your organizations to succeed in whatever you're doing, whether it's business, whether it's pastoral, whatever, whatever you're doing, it's, it's how do you transform your teams to best accomplish, accomplish a mission to best do that. So what I do now is I help leaders who have been either, either they're first starting up when we talk about entrepreneurial leadership, they're first starting out their businesses. They have five employees and they're, they're in the grind. They're just, they're in the startup, they're in startup mode and they're just trying to survive. They're trying to make this thing work for that, for those, for those specific that specific demographic, what I can do and what I offer them is like, okay, no matter how fast you're running, no matter what you're doing, how hard you're working, no matter how successful you're being or unsuccessful you're being, you need to take care of yourself and your teams. Otherwise, you are going to burn yourselves out before you even get started. Your 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 product is going to show like it, whatever you're creating, whatever your end product is, is going to have a. There's going to be diminishing returns if you're if you were if you're not taking care of yourself and your teams. So that's kind of the, I kind of help them to understand, okay, it's, I, I run, there's a, a leadership profiling um, uh, tool that I use that is really helps identify where leaders lean, how they communicate with others, where they're at when they're on their worst day, when they're at when they're on their best day. And it really helps them understand like, okay, here's a problem. Here's where I lean. Here's where my team leans. How can I mix all of that? to get an outcome that we really, really want. So for the entrepreneurs, and I, and that's kind of the, the, the baseline. And then when we jump and we talk about senior executives have been doing this forever, their leadership philosophy is, is well in place. <clears throat> A lot of them know who they are as leaders. A lot of them know what they're doing. But it takes someone from the outside to come in and be like, okay, again, are you taking care of yourself and your teams? So <clears throat> how do you do that? What is in place for you to do that? What are your goals? What does it look like five years from now? For a lot of the, the CEOs that I work with, it's what does a transition plan look like? You'd be fascinated with how many people do not have a transition plan and where people just get nominated into these C-suite positions that never, they don't have the real experience in it and they don't have like training roadmaps. So the how I help them is like, okay, we, you, there's a thing called legacy theory. 
And how do you, what kind of legacy are you, do you want to pass on to the next CEO or to the next whatever COO, however that works, whatever position they're in. Um, and so I work with these organizations from entrepreneur all the way to CEO. And in the middle, we just kind of, we, we come, we come together and we figure out roadmaps, training, mentoring programs, different things like that for, for those organizations. Um, and then we, I've really gotten close to this group that I call the Buffalo, we, we were the Buffalo Leadership Academy. And it's a bunch of, it's, it's a bunch of amazing individuals. It's five, there's five core, five core members. We have two Navy SEALs, two Marines, me included. And then we have uh, a, a just guru in, in growth mindset. And w- what we've been able to do is come together and how, around a lot of thought leadership and a lot of just identifying problems that, that, that we can deal with as a group where it's what I talk about. One person cannot tackle an entire problem set. So bringing together this conglomerate, this, 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 these Buffalo are, uh, is, is something that, that, that we're doing together. We're tackling problems together. We're doing training. We're going to do trainings. We're doing all these different things. And it's, I'm super excited about it, including our conference, which is in July. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted to bring up that conference since, especially since I'm going to it and I'm super <laughs> excited about that. Yeah. Um, who's the guru? Laura Jones. So Lara, she's she's she is an, an award-winning CEO. She's she's just she has an amazing, amazing. She has several amazing presentations on growth mindset and how to be how to be the best you, how to bring out the best you and your teams, and how to keep moving forward and how to. And she's she, she's she's amazing. She's she's a marketing expert. She does she's she's really good. So she's going to talk to us at the conference about growth mindset and really going after going after that that mindset. Oh, that's gonna and she's fun. married to a Marine. So it's, 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 we're all just in the, in the military yep. pipeline. So we're good. It's, oh, I love <laughs> that. Yeah. And especially as being a vet myself, it's just to be around, I don't know, there, there's just a quality there. Yeah. There is a quality and I appreciate it. Um, so what, uh, do you have any success stories that you could share about the work that you've been doing? Yeah, absolutely. We have an organization that's a relatively big nationwide organization that we their their top leadership. They brought me in because there it was a disconnect between their senior leadership teams and really the rest of the organization. So it was a very much a hey, here's the. It was very militaristic. It was, but it wasn't a military organization. It was a we have a vision. We have this thing that we want to accomplish. Go figure it out. Go figure it out. And there was real no guide. There was no guidance. There was no mentoring. So, what I was able to do, I, I jumped in, and we the the tool that I use is called See Me Color Profiling. It's from the UK, and it's just a, you'll Chris, you're gonna experience this firsthand when we go to at at the conference. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. So it's 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 a tool that it's it's a card game. So I broke up. They had a leadership team of 15, and then they had a, a, a secondary management team of 80. 80 people. So I had the, I had the leadership team and then I had the, the 80 people. And what it is, it's based on a card game where you collect cards from the other individuals in the group that have statements on them that you agree with. Like one of them, for instance, would be, I tend to lead from the gut. If I'm a leader and I say, I don't lead that way, I go and trade that card for another one that may say, I like to think through my decisions thoroughly. So we got all these people together and we got them all grouped out into their different colors of how they make decisions. And we came up with a roadmap. So, and I say roadmap a lot. So what a roadmap is, is okay, how are you going to, you start with the end in mind. How do you accomplish something with starting with the end in mind all the way down to initiation of the problem? 
So you have your outcome and you have your problem. Now, what happens in between that? How do you get that done? You can't just spout off what the problem is and then expect that to expect outcomes to, to come outcomes to be generated from you just saying what the problem is. So I was able to walk with them and understand, help the leadership team to understand that what they were doing was just that. They were identifying a problem and expecting the organization to solve it. The way that they changed was they identify the problem and then they started a mentoring program where down the chain that we call the, I'll use military chain, down the chain of command, there was mentorship set up based around this problem. So there was big over, we set up an overall uh, mentorship program for the company because they did not have one. And you'll be surprised at how many people do or organizations don't have a mentorship uh, program. If you're listening out there and you don't have one, let me know and we'll set one up for you. But we set up this one specifically on the problem. Okay, I we we set up someone who has a lot of a lot of uh, experience in 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 X part of the problem, and we link them up with someone who has not much experience in that. And so, what they were able to do was generate ideas internally that would then be presented to the leadership team that is providing the ultimate mentorship. And then they would mentor back down and forth until they solve the problem, all, all surrounded by deadlines and goals and everything else that you need to do, the smart goals, metrics uh, that you need to have established in any given time frame. And we ran it kind of like a sprint where here's the, you, you, here's, you have a time frame, you have a problem you have to solve. Let's go. Let's, let's figure this out. So going back to the, the see me color profiling, as, since I was able to break them up into their kind of their, their we we'll call them the color groups, but it's those colors represent a leadership lean. So we were able to set up mentorship based on the leadership lean and kind of mix everybody together. And the outcome was they now have a process by which they solve problems quickly. They solve problems with metrics. They solve problems through mentorship. They have a mentorship program. And it's just, it, it's, they're still doing that. It was, it was a year ago that, that I ended, that, that we, we set them up. And now I do more of just consulting and kind of tweaking here and there. But they've taken that and they've run with it. And they've had so much success. And they've been super, they've, been, they've had low employee turnover. They've had this, this quiet quitting and all these things that are now a thing. They haven't really experienced that even through COVID, like even after, after kind of the re they, they were also a company that instituted hybrid work. They weren't a hybrid company before COVID. They were all on site. So that was the reason they brought me in was because of the book. And so now they're just, they're running full steam ahead and they're successful and they're happy. Their employees are staying and they're, it's just, it's a great, it's a great story. So that's a great segue into your book. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I, I, I like I said before, we I was digging into all this organizational to my doctoral process with digging into this organizational change theory and this leadership theory. And then 2020 happened and we all got sent home. And I was working at the DOD, leading a team of, of DOD employees at the time. And we were sent home and we'd never been sent home before. We had worked remotely with other parts of the world. And, and we were Northcom, so we work with Central Command and South. Like We work with these different commands that are all over the world. But internally, our teams always were in person. We were always in person. It's just the way we operated. We had to be because of what we did. So we had to figure out, or I had to figure out, okay, this, how do I lead through this? How do, this, is a new, this is a new concept. How do I lead as hybrid scheduling, remote, what can we do remote? What can we do in person? All these different things came flying. I was like, okay, I need to go back to the drawing board. I'm literally learning about this right now. Let me dive in. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to try some of these things and see if they work. So I walked through a lot of these different tools and theories on change and on leadership and they worked. 
And it was kind of that fit, like thing, like when you have a checklist and like you go through each checklist and at the end, like this isn't going to work. And then you get to the end of it and you're like, oh, that, that, that actually worked. The whole it thing does. worked. And so it was like, wow, this, uh, this stuff is, this stuff is legit. It actually works. So I was like, people, like people need this. They need roadmaps. And this is, this is not a, it's not an end all be all. Every organization is different. Every leader is different. But so what the book is, it's hybrid. It's a, a guide for leading onsite and remote teams. What it does, each chapter is a different organizational change or leadership theory that I've taken and I've translated to hybrid and remote work. So this is how you can use this theory to lead your hybrid and remote and on-site teams. It's just, it, it, it still works. There's some tweaking that you have to do, but the book provides people with, say it again, the roadmap for how to lead and change your hybrid and remote teams. Oh, awesome. Um, okay, so do you have any parting words of wisdom or advice that you'd like to leave people with? Just, I, I say this a lot when I talk about, when I talk in leadership circles and when I talk in about organizational change and leading teams, um, you have to take care of your people. My, that's the biggest thing that I would say after, after the years I've spent leading teams and also doing it wrong and, and, and fixing the, some of those problems that I used to have is that the, the core of leading teams is leading your people well and, and being able to dig in to who they are, how they operate and that is the literal best way, like leadership, what leadership is, you're put in a leadership position because you can lead people. You're not put in a leadership position a lot of times because you can accomplish the, the mission or whatever this is over there. Uh, and if it is, it's because you used your team well. So if you are leading teams, dive in. And if you think you're leading your people well, do a check. Check, check in with them. Three, uh, 360, 360 degree assessments with your people are very, very valuable because they'll tell you how you're doing. So dig in with your teams. If you think you're leading them well, ask them and then just figure out how to learn and do better. I like that. So where can people, first of all, where can they find out more about the Buffalo Leadership Conference? Yeah. So if you go to leadhybridteams.com, you'll see the Buffalo Leadership Academy. That's where we sit. That's where that's our website where you can look at the conference. You can look at the videos. Uh, we have some amazing speakers coming. Gretchen Evans, who is a SB award winner um, last in 2022 for the, the, the Pat Tillman Award for Service. We have John Register, who's a Paralympic silver medal award winner. He's, he's an amazing story. And we have the five of us that we've, I've already spoke about that you are like, it's, you're not going to want to miss it. You'll hear all of our stories. You'll have, there's a place that you can sign up there. Um, you can link up with me on LinkedIn. I'm on there. It's Dr. Travis Hearn. You'll see me in there. Um, I'm, I should be the only one. I might be the only one. If I'm, if there's anybody else, you let me know. Cause that's not, that's an imposter. That's all right. I'm connected. So I'll put the link in the show notes. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, um, those two places that you, you can learn about it. We're having, we have, we, we put out content regularly on the, on the conference on leadership and, uh, yeah, so that's, that's where you can find me and that's where you can find the conference. And where can people find and buy your book hybrid? Yeah, you can buy it anywhere books are sold online. Amazon, you can go look look up look it up on Amazon. It's it's hybrid, a, a guide to successfully leading on-site and remote teams. Um, and uh, barnesandnoble.com. So anywhere, anywhere online. You can even do Walmart.com if you want. <laughs> oh, nice. Good. Yeah. Nice widespread distribution. Oh, I like yeah. that. Okay. And then what was the website again for information about you? So information about me. So what you can do, it's uh, dr That's that's my website for for the way that for my for my company, Titanium Leadership. That's where 
I do all of my personal consulting and coaching. Um, you can find the Buffalo team, the Buffalo Leadership Academy at the leadhybridteams.com website. That's where we're all, right. all at. Uh, and then there is links to each one of our individual websites on there. So you can reach out, you can see everybody, you can dig in, do as much research, or I was a human intelligence guy for a while. So if you want to check us all out and make sure we're legit, that's the website to do it on. Awesome. That is great. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all that with us. That was a, there's a, there's a lot of good, valuable information in there for people. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me on. This is, these are important topics and I think they're going to be even more important as we, as we move forward and economically leadership wise and business. So I appreciate the time. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Pivot Perspectives with your host, Chris O'Byrne. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advice on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates and we will see you on the next episode.